Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Chris Shandro. I'm the pastor at Compass. And as always, I am so glad that you joined me today. Because over the last eight weeks, we've been looking at how Jesus has been bringing himself into focus so that we can better understand who he is and what he's doing in our world. And today is the final week of this In Focus message series. So it's been a long road full of a lot of pretty heavy things to think about. In a lot of ways, this message series has been like a big family dinner at mom's house. It's, you know, the kind where she makes ham, turkey, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, biscuits, and deviled eggs. Just a lot of stuff. But she won't let you make your own plate. She makes it for you. She stacks all of this food onto your plate until it's a heaping, heavy pile of calories. And of course, mom's not going to let you leave until you've eaten it all, because at mom's house, everyone is in the clean plate club. And as we've been working our way through Matthew 16 and 17, I think as a church, we've been serving up to you some big heaping plates of deep and heavy stuff. And I guess we've kind of made you clean your plate because we've been giving you perspectives on Jesus that may be a little different than what you've heard before. And, and honestly, they're things that can take a little time to digest. But today, as we wrap up this series, we're going to let you prep your own plate. We're going to give you some options of some different takeaways from today's passage in, in Matthew chapter 17. Now, this may seem a little out of character for us, because one thing that we try to do at Compass is to definitively understand what the Bible is really saying. We try to receive it as the chef intended. But the Bible is, is a rich and complex book. In fact, it's not really a book at all. It's a collection of 66 books that were written by around 40 authors over the course of 1,500 years. The Bible's made up of genres like history, poetry, uh, personal letters, uh, apocalyptic literature, even philosophy. So the Bible is less a book than it is a library of books that are compiled to tell the story of God and, and what God's doing. And the primary way that we try to understand the Bible at Compass is to find the original intent of the author. Now, we do that by understanding the language, the background, the historical context of what was written. It's really a, a historical application, but that can sometimes make for a really heavy meal. But this way of reading the Bible means that we interrogate the text, and, and sometimes it can require education and knowledge of certain things that may not be available to everyone. I mean, there are things that certainly weren't available to many of the Christians who've lived over the last 2,000 years, which is why there's a second way that we can read the Bible, and that's the way of personal application. The Bible, it can be a mystical, spiritual, and, and often mysterious book, and there are parts that can be difficult to understand no matter how much education you have. But the Bible is also a book that the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us individually, to guide us and direct us. Which is why we could be reading a psalm that was written about a situation 3,000 years ago, and yet hear God speaking to us about a situation in our lives today. And just because personal application may not line up exactly with a historical application, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have worth. And so today we're going to look at a passage where you will get to plate up your own meal, where you get to look for your own personal application out of the passage today. 
But before we also try to, to do this, to both find the personal application and the historical application, or the meal as the chef intended, we're going to take a look at the passage today in Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. It says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived at Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. And when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Now, that's the whole passage today. We didn't break it down. And, and after reading this, there may already be something that immediately jumped out at you. There, maybe there's some clear personal takeaway that you already have. And we're going to explore a couple of those takeaways. But before we do, let me give you some, some handholds. Let me give you a simple method for ways that you can read the Bible in order to find your own personal application. And we call it the SOAP method. And it's, it's an acronym. At first, it starts with S, Scripture. So first, you read a passage of Scripture. Next is O, observation. After you read a passage, take a minute and think about what you observe in it. What did you see in it? What stuck out to you? Then comes A, application. How does what I observed apply to me? How can I implement that in my life? And then finally is P, prayer. Ask God to help you apply what you observed out of the Scripture you read. This is actually what I do when I begin studying for a message. And when I soap today's passage, there are there's a couple things that pop out, and they might be some of the same things you saw. Let's go back to Matthew 17, 25. It says, when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom do the kings of earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? So the first thing I see, and the first thing maybe that you saw, is that Jesus was the first to speak, that Jesus knew what had happened before Peter told him. Peter walks in and he's like, and, and Jesus is like, hey, listen, I know what you guys were talking about, and here's what I have to say about it. This is pretty remarkable. Jesus knew the details of a conversation that happened when he wasn't even there, and he knew what Peter was going to say that they needed before Peter had a chance to even bring it up. So maybe when you read this passage, you get a personal takeaway, and your personal takeaway is that Jesus knows what I need before I need it. Maybe you're in a situation that, that you didn't see coming and that you weren't totally prepared for, and it can feel like things are moving so fast that you can't get your bearings to know what the right thing to do is in the situation or, or what your next step should even be. But you can take comfort in the fact that even though this was a surprise to you, that God wasn't surprised by it. He's keenly aware of what's going on in your life because he loves you. And he knows what you need before you need it. He speaks before you do. So that's one possible application that maybe you took out of this. Let's look at another. And let's go to Matthew 17, verse 27. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, Open its mouth and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. So 
For me, this is definitely the coolest part of the story. They needed money to pay the temple tax, and Jesus is like, go yank a fish out of the lake, stick your hand in its mouth, and you're gonna find exactly what we need. The only way this story could have been a little bit better is if the fish had twice as much money as they need and Peter had gotten a little walking around money. But the miraculous way in which Jesus provided for their financial need, it's huge. And, and most people, including a lot of pastors, would say that, that this is the main takeaway from the story. It's this, that Jesus can provide what you need. When you are in real need, Jesus can meet that need. Not less than what you need, maybe not more than what you need, but exactly what you need. Jesus can provide it. And while your need may not be met in the way that you expect, you can trust that Jesus provides. I mean, this is an incredible personal application from the Bible and from this story because we all know what it's like to be in need. And whether it's a, a financial need, an emotional need, a relational need, a spiritual need, we've all been at a place where we didn't know how that need was gonna be met. Which is why seeing Jesus do this miracle can be so encouraging to us because he knows what we need before we do and he can provide for that need. These are big, powerful takeaways. And honestly, they're right on the surface of this passage. But maybe you pulled something else out of this. Maybe your takeaway was that Jesus paid those taxes that were required of him even when he thought those taxes were stupid and even wrong. And so your takeaway is that Jesus respects authorities, and so we should too. Or maybe you might be a little more familiar with the historical context of the temple tax, and you know that it was only men who were 20 and older who were required to pay the temple tax, which means that all of Jesus' other disciples were teenagers. And so maybe your takeaway is that Jesus can do big things through young people. And these are all good personal applications from this passage. These are things that you can put on your own plate to prep your own meal, get something out of. Nothing can diminish what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you out of the Bible, especially as you soap your way through it. But there's one more takeaway that I want to share that I think is what Matthew was trying to say when he wrote this. Now, his point could be that God could provide for our needs, but Matthew's already said that before when he wrote about how Jesus fed the 5,000 hungry people with just a few fish and loaves. It was even a fish that provided for that, those people. Matthew's also written about other times that Jesus knew about uh, what other people were thinking when he shouldn't have. So that's not new information either. So what is he saying? What is the historical takeaway? What is the meal that Matthew, the chef, intended for us to eat? Well, let's look at Matthew 17, 25 to 26. What do you think, Simon, Jesus asked? From whom do the kings of, of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. So sandwiched in between these miraculous events, are two little lines of te teaching that Jesus uses to make a point. Now for background, the temple tax was an annual tax of two drachmas that again, all Jewish men over 20 had to pay. And this was about the equivalent of one day's wage for a skilled laborer, like a construction worker, or it was about two days wage for someone who was working poor. Now the tax was collected from Jewish men who were scattered all over the ancient world from Palestine all the way to Italy. And then when it was collected, it was all brought back to the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was the center 
of Jewish religious life. And even people who didn't live in Jerusalem revered the temple. They, they saw it as the place, the only place on earth where God's presence manifested, which makes Jesus' analogy so interesting. Because who is the king Jesus is referring to who taxes his own children? It's not a person or even a group of people. The king who taxes his children is the temple. It's the system of Jewish law and how it's practiced. I mean, that's what rules over the people. And when Jesus is asked to pay the temple tax, in a very subtle way, he criticizes the system of law. Because he says the law takes from its own people. The temple system, the religious law, is a bad king who taxes his own children. And we can understand the practical need of giving to the church to take care of the upkeep you know, of the temple because our building and our ministries are funded by giving. But the law imposed more than just taxes on its people. The system of the law had become burdensome and heavy. The temple put demands on people, demands for money, ceremonial purity, obedience to hundreds of these burdensome religious rules, and, and it imposed agreement with religious dogma. We've talked about this before, but the system of law even hurt people, particularly the poor, the sick, and the marginalized. One time when he was confronting some religious leaders, Jesus said that they were crushing people with unbearable religious demands, but they never lifted a finger to ease that burden. Like a king taxing his own children, the law demands things from its own people. But in this analogy, Jesus sets up two contrasting kings and kingdoms. One king and kingdom that takes and one that gives. One that seeks to take from its people and one that seeks the good of its people. And when I look at this story, the takeaway I see at the center, right in between the miracles and the taxes is this. It's that Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. Jesus is a new kind of king and his is a new kind of kingdom. It's not one that demands and takes from its people for the good of the religion, but it's one that loves, gives, and sacrifices for the good of its people. Jesus isn't a king who demands his people lay down his lives for his benefit, lay down their lives for his benefit. He's a king who lays down his life for theirs. And when he does ask things of us, they're things that are always for our good or the good of others. Even when we're asked to lay down our own lives in his kingdom, he says that's when we find them. If you've been part of a religious system that is demanding, burdensome, or coercive, you can know that's not Jesus' thing. He's not a king who taxes his own children. He's a king who wants good things for you, not from you. So as we wrap all this up, let's just recap. What are our takeaways from all this? Well, we learn that the Bible can speak to us in many ways, both personally and historically, as the Holy Spirit guides us through it. We learn that Jesus knows our needs before we do and that he can provide what we need. And we learn that Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you, particularly when it comes to your relationship with him and with his church. So whether you're at a place where God is speaking to you through a plate of food that you're putting together yourself or through the meal as the chef intended, you can trust that God is speaking to you through his word because that's the place where Jesus comes into focus. And if, if you're in need, or if you've been hurt by burdensome and demanding religion, you can know that Jesus is a new kind of king in a new kind of kingdom, where he wants you to have abundant life. 
where everything that he asks of us is actually for our good so that we can thrive and flourish. So in light of this, may we know that we are the children of the king, the children who experience his love and provision and who live out the values of his kingdom here on earth as in heaven. And finally, may we be people who live like Jesus lived, who think like he taught, and who do what he taught. Thank you for joining me through this very long message series. I hope that Jesus has come more into focus and his kingdom has come more into focus in your life as we've walked through it. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. Thank you.